1: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
2: That the heavens are are declaring the glory of God in day to day pours forth speech, and there's no place where their voice isn't heard. In Romans one eighteen through nineteen, it says, "For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress, hold down, ignore the truth, for what can be known about God." is plain to them because God has shown it to them. I can
0: see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every giant will fall
1: with Pastor Keith Crosby, lead pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us here on the broadcast today, studying God's Word. We would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, we'll be continuing with our Decoding Jesus teaching series. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us again to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
2: When the, when Jesus came into the world and preached his message and God sent the light, you know, in him was light and the light was the life of men, right? And the light shines in the darkness but the darkness does not comprehend it, John 1. The light revealed what was inside of people. So that squeeze, he put the squeeze on, you know, or you put a tea bag in hot water and what comes out of the tea bag, it's not ice cream, right? It's tea. The heat releases what's in the bag, and the light exposes what's in the heart. Look at verse 20. For everyone who does, not, who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You can see God birthing people from above because those people come to the light. And you can see the wicked remaining in their sins and trespasses who want nothing to do with God, rejecting the light because the light, Jesus Christ, their response to Jesus Christ reveals what's inside of them. And so, you know, even look in our world today, most crimes are committed at night, right? They're not committed in broad daylight, and Jesus is the light that reveals what is in man and what mankind wants. And so why do good things happen to bad people? Well, that's what we're gonna talk about today. We're going to look at the message of Jesus and we're going to understand, and we're gonna ask and answer three questions based on the message of Jesus here in this passage so that we can understand the grace of God and the justice of God better. And when you think about that God sent his son to rescue bad people like me and bad people like you, bad people like us, we didn't deserve it. And the question is, well, why is anybody saved at all? Why do good things happen to bad people? And the answer to that question is this, because God chose to love and to rescue. God chose to love and to rescue. Look at John 3:16 and 17. For God so loved the world, all kinds of people from all kinds of places, that he gave his only son, his one of a kind son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, for God or because God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God chose to love. Why do good things happen to bad people? Why are people saved at all? Why is, why is anybody saved? Because God chose to love and to rescue. God loves. God took the initiative. We see that in 1 John 4.19. What does 1 John 4.19 say? We love because he first loved us. In Romans 9, 15, and 16, we see this. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So it does not depend on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. God chose to love and to rescue. Romans 5, 6, and 8 says this. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for what? For who? The good people, no, the ungodly. Verse 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, still uninterested in him, Christ died for us. What does this mean? You know, a lot of people say, I don't like being called a bad person. Well, that's the way it is. That's what I am. That's what you are. We're bad people. We are unlovable and we were undesirable. But God so loved these people he created in his image and likeness that he sent his son to die for bad people like you and I and his motive here is love. And you know, I there's a passage that I did not put in the notes, but you might want to write this down and if you can turn there to Ezekiel 16:3 through 6 because this is a picture of God choosing to love Israel. And he and he's talking to Israel when it's in rebellion and he says, "So why did I choose you? Why did I love you? Why are you God's chosen people?" He says, you weren't special. It weren't because you were big. It wasn't because you were magnificent. And then he gives this really graphic description of how they were and how he is. And it says, thus says the Lord of God to Jerusalem, your origin and your birth are of the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother was a Hittite. And as for your birth on the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt. And wrapped in swaddling clothes. No eye pitied you to do any of these things for you out of compassion. But you were cast out into an open field. And you were abhorred And on the, day that you were, on the day that you were born. And when I passed by, I saw you wallowing in your blood. And I said to you in your blood, live. I said to you in your blood, live. What we see here is this. We were wallowing in the mess of our sin like Israel. And God looked at us and said, I'm coming to get you. God had pity on us when we weren't pitiful, you know, we didn't, when we weren't lovable. God chose to love Israel the way he's chosen to love us as Christians. Those people uh, that he initiated, that he sent his son to die for, he didn't have to. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. He loved. He took the initiative. He took the first steps. For God so loved the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Why do good things happen to bad people? Because God chose to love the unlovable. Now you may ask the question, well, wait a minute, bad people, why do people really need to be saved? I mean, you know, what's, what's going on here? Why do people need saving? Why are people condemned in the first place? Why, why, why all these hard, harsh, seemingly harsh words? Why are people condemned to hell in the first place? Answer, because men, man, people, choose to sin and reject forgiveness. Because they choose to sin and reject forgiveness. Where do we see that? We see that in verses 18 and 19. Look with me there. For whoever believes in him is not condemned. Those who trust Christ are not condemned. Those who embrace Christ are not condemned. Those who believe and embrace and receive the message are not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. They were already condemned. Why? Why? because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Anything else? Yeah, verse 19. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. Therefore, everyone who refuses forgiveness remains as they were. Therefore, while some receive better than they deserve forgiveness, grace, love, others push the gift away and and, and experience what they do deserve. This is the message throughout the Bible. You see it in Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin is death, what we earn, what we deserve is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans eight, six and seven. For the mind set on the flesh who hates the light is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. And it cannot because it loves darkness better than light. It is unwilling and therefore unable to embrace the light. Instead, forgiveness is offered. The gift is set before it and it pushes it away because it likes things just the way they are. That's why we read in John 1, 11 and 12 and 13, he came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God who were born of God. Some people just won't come. Some people just won't listen. Several years ago, my wife and children and I were walking at the beach, and in the beach where we grew up in Savannah, Georgia, there's this bend in the beach, and there is a riptide and an undertow. It's it's a perfect storm for death, and they have these huge signs that say, do not swim here, and the people from the area, do not swim there. But what happened instead was there were two guys swimming there, and I felt bad because I knew you know, it's not easy to swim in a riptide, particularly if you're a tourist. So I went up to them and I said, hey, excuse me, I don't want to, I'm not trying to invade your space or tell you what to do. But you see these signs here, you know, there's an undertow here and there's a riptide. Unless you're experienced, you know, you could drown. They basically blew me off because they enjoyed what they were doing and they didn't need a message of rescue or a message of salvation. I didn't check the papers to see what happened next, but, you know, we went on and they went on and hopefully they survived. But why are people condemned? Because they reject the message of rescue, the message of forgiveness, the message of love. They prefer godlessness. They prefer a life without God. They, pre- they want to be their own God. And so God so loved the world that he sent his son, and he didn't send his son to condemn the world but so the world might be saved through him. But these people don't want that forgiveness, and so they're condemned already. Because each and every person, the wages of sin is death. We've all sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody needs a Savior. And God demonstrates his love toward us, Romans 5, 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But they don't want that. And so they reject the gift. They condemn themselves. They break fellowship with God. They ignore God. They ignore his pleas. They ignore his call. And they suffer the consequences. Which brings us to another question. Well, what about other people who've never heard the gospel and don't know any better? What about about good people who are just ignorant? of the gospel. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. Why? Number three, because there is no neutrality. There is no neutrality. There aren't good people and bad people and people in between. That's a human construct. A lot of times as human beings, we like to sit in judgment over God and the way that he works and what he writes in his word and the way that he operates. And so we come up with these scenarios, but we're asking the wrong question because we're looking for the wrong answer. That's why that Christian thinker turned that question on its ear. Why do bad things happen to good people? No, why do good things happen to bad people? In Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6, it makes it very, very clear that the heavens are, portray- are, are declaring the glory of God and day-to-day pours forth speech, and there's no place where their voice isn't heard. In Romans 1.18, through 19, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress, hold down, ignore the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. In John 3:20 20 and 21, we read this. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true, comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. The believer wants to glorify God. The unbeliever doesn't want anything to do with him. There is no neutrality. There is no, you know, we try to break things into categories, believer, unbeliever, and in that unbeliever category, atheist and agnostic. Those categories are human concoctions. In reality, there is no such thing as an atheist, and there is no such thing as an agnostic there are only people who suppress the truth and unrighteous. And whether somebody lives on a hill in Kathmandu, or somebody lives in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, or in Sunnyvale, California, they can look around them and sense the presence of God. They can see his handiwork, which he has made visible. His invisible attributes, Roman tells us, are made visible by everything that he's made. And they can seek him. We know that God is a rewarder of those who seek him, but they must first believe that he is. Or they cannot. And so, there is no neutrality. There are just people who seek God, and there are people who won't. And so we can't we can't pretend. We can't set ourselves up in judgment over God and say, "Oh well, what about the poor person who's just ignorant?" Nobody's ignorant. There is something in us. God has created us with, in His image and likeness, and we have certain attributes. We we, we have an inert, an, excuse me, an innate, an innate morality. We know right from wrong. I've talked about it before, when you see a little kid about to do something wrong and he looks around, he knows, she knows. People know right from wrong, viscerally. And people know that when you look at this, create, just like you look at this room, you don't think this room happened by itself, do you? You can see the hand of man everywhere. And when you see the creation out there, the sun rising and setting on schedule, not randomly, you see the design, you, see, you look at the complexity of the human body, the human brain, you know that it came from somewhere and there was no accident. Everybody is without excuse. And so there are people who will not come to God because they don't want their deeds exposed. And there are people who come to God because they want God and they want everybody to know that God is and God has saved them. And you know, there's a passage that I did not put in the notes, but you might want to write this down. And if you can, turn there to Ezekiel 16, three through six, because this is a picture of God choosing to love Israel. And, he, and he's talking to Israel when it's in rebellion and He says, So why did I choose you? Why did I love you? Why are you God's chosen people? He says, you weren't special. It weren't because you were big. It wasn't because you were magnificent. And then he gives this really graphic description of how they were and how he is. And it says, thus says the Lord of God to Jerusalem, your origin and your birth are of the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother was a Hittite. And as for your birth on the day you were born, your cord was not cut. Nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt and wrapped in swaddling clothes. No eye pitied you to do any of these things for you out of compassion. But you were cast out into an open field, and you were abhorred And on the day that you were, on the day that you were born. And when I passed by, I saw you wallowing in your blood, and I said to you in your blood, live. I said to you in your blood, live. Because God sent his son in love to die for their sin. So, there is no neutrality. Good things happen to bad people because God chose to love. He chose to send His Son. He chose to rescue. Men need rescue because human beings choose to sin and choose to re- reject forgiveness. And if God didn't intervene, we would be lost. And every human being, every man and woman and child, is without excuse. There is no neutrality. And why does God do this? What is love? And this isn't in your notes, and this isn't in the slides. I want you to think about this. What is love? We think of romantic love. We think of teammate love, you know, and stuff like that. But sacrificial love, the real love, the biblical love, is God choosing to benefit other people through righteous words, actions, and deeds with no thought of what he's going to get in return. What are you going to give God? He owns everything. Real love, love that you have, agape love, sacrificial love is, and I'm just summarizing 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8, is choosing to benefit other people through righteous words, actions, and deeds. And God chose to benefit us, that while we were godless, while we were still helpless, at just the right time, Christ died for us. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to die for us. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We can't buy it. I remember somebody trying to tell me one time, well, you know, God looks down the corridors of time, and he sees who's going to choose him, and then he Blesses them with salvation. And I thought, well, that's work salvation. That doesn't work that way. God saves us despite ourselves. We don't earn it. If, if he's looking down the corridors of time, I'm picking you because you're going to do this. I'm picking you because you're going to do that. No, his love is meritless. It's his unmerited favor. And good things happen to bad people like me and you because God loves the whole world, all kinds of people from all kinds of places with a love that we can't even begin to understand that we can't even have naturally for other people until his spirit indwells us at salvation and this is the great thing about Jesus's message that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would trust in him would not perish but have eternal life good things happen to bad people because God is love and in him there is no darkness at all it's not that we loved him it's that he first loved us he loved the unlovable he loved the unlovable that's the big idea. God always treats us. He always treats humanity, always treats humanity better than it deserves, better than we deserve. That's the God we serve. That is the message of Jesus Christ. By grace we are you saved through faith, not of works. It's the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And that is the message of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's sharing with Nicodemus. That's what he's sharing with us. And that is what we just looked at Here, as it is clarified for us in a way that should both make us want to jump to our feet in praise and fall to our knees in prayer and thanksgiving so what do you do with this how do you apply this how do you put feet to this reality let me give you uh four suggestions first thank god thank god for his love he gave his one and only son he gave imagine somebody asking for your son or daughter sacrifice for somebody like me. I love you guys, but I'm not giving up my kids for anybody, okay? But God set his love on us. Thank him for his love. And, and try to live in light of that love and try to be a reflection of that love for other people. Secondly, secondly, and as a parent, let me just drive this home. Waste no time in telling your children the message of Jesus. Some people say, well, I'm going to wait till they're 9 or 10. I don't want to force it on them. You know what? Force it on them, Okay. Waste no time. Kids grow up fast, and you never know what's going to happen to them next. And I can tell you, I remember holding my daughters and say, you know, singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And I remember telling them, Jesus is, you know who Jesus is? Jesus is God. Jesus loves mommy. Jesus loves daddy. Mommy and daddy love Jesus. Mommy and daddy love Jesus, Anna and Grace. And Jesus loves Anna and Grace. Tell them the message of Jesus. Waste no time, parents. This life is short and eternity is long. Thirdly, dedicate your life to him. You've received the gift that keeps on giving. No one has given you a gift like this. No one ever will. No one can, but God has. How do you respond to that? With a drudging sense of indebtedness? No, with a joyful sense of thanksgiving and gratitude. And you want others to have this, don't you? Because we do, with the message of Jesus, have the cure for what ails society. And we can see society changed one soul at a time if we dedicate ourselves to Christ into sharing his message with other people. Fourthly, do not, hear me, do not reject his love. I don't know where every person is in this room, spiritually speaking. I know a lot of you, there's a lot of you I don't know. There's some of you I'll get to know yet, still better. But let me tell you something, we need that love. We need that love. God, through Christ, stands ready, willing, and able to forgive us of every sin we have ever committed, every sin that we are in the process of committing maybe right now every sin that we're going to commit. It doesn't matter who we are, or where we came from, or what we've done. I knew a pastor once. He killed a police officer when he was 12 years old. He came to Christ when he was 19 and became a pastor and a missionary to Peru. God can't, will save anybody. He, he offers you a gift. If you, don't, if you know about God, but you don't know God, he offers you a gift right now. And all you have to do is accept it. But if you push it away, you're condemned already. Don't blame him. He sent his son Not to condemn you, but to save you. And to those who believe in his son, they're not condemned. Those who push the gift away, those who refuse the gift are condemned already because they like darkness better than light. Because their deeds are evil and they don't want to come to the light because they don't want to be exposed. You know what? Come to the light. Let him expose your wickedness and let him transform you from the inside out. From an enemy of God to someone cut off from God, alienated from God, to a child of God. John 1 12 and 1 13, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children. He that believes in me, though he die, will, will have eternal life. He will not perish. Think about that. God loves you. He loves all kinds of people from all kinds of places. Will you accept that love and that forgiveness where you reject it? A good thing can happen to a bad person if they embrace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the message of John 3, 16 through 21. We thank you, Lord, that you always give us better than we deserve. Father, we thank you that you stand ready, willing, and able to forgive us. Lord, help help anyone who's hearing my voice, who's in this room, Father not to run from your love, but to rush into your arms and to receive the gift that keeps on giving eternal life in Christ. Father, we're thankful that good things can happen to bad people like us because of who you are and how you are. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Pastor Keith Crosby with today's Grace to Live radio broadcast. We so very much want to thank you for taking the time to join us today to study God's Word. And it's important that we let you know that we feel so blessed that you join us here each day on the program. Please remember, Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside Church would love to hear from you. So please take a moment to drop us a line or shoot us an email to let us know how we can be praying for you. Here's how you can contact us. The church mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can also visit our website at hillside.org where you can find out more information about Pastor Keith, view our calendar of upcoming events here at Hillside, and also get information on our service times if you're close to the San Jose area, we would love for you to join us for worship. We are now offering two Sunday morning services here at Hillside Church. The first beginning at 9 a.m. and the second starting at 1045 a.m. And we'll be continuing with our Spanish language service starting at 1045 a.m. Remember, if you need more information on this or anything else happening here at Hillside Church, just visit our website at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll make plans to join us again next time as Pastor Keith continues decoding Jesus in our walkthrough of the Gospel of John. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, may the Lord richly bless you and thanks for listening.